What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode four of the Madden Insiders podcast. I'm Holden, joined as always by Lights Out. How is it going, Lights? What's going on, Holden? What's going on, everybody? Just having a, a solid week. Uh, we have some Ultimate League stuff to talk about, but a little bit different. We're going to go on a different path for this week's podcast, and there's a slight reason why. Yeah, definitely going to talk about some stuff surrounding the Ultimate League that has been being talked about on different channels of social media and kind of give our opinions on that. Real quick, though, starting off with that Week 5 of the Ultimate League, quick little roundup of the standings. Problem still up top at 6-2. and two. Uh, Actually, top Madden holds the top two spots and three of the top five right now with Drini at 6-3. and three. True Boy rising up the ladder at 4-4. Four and four. You got Joke and Dubby in there at 5-3 five and three and 5-4, and four respectively. Musafa kind of started tumbling down to 4-5. and five. Tweez at 3-6 and six, and Chaos still at 1-7 and seven with that one win, of course, against Problem in week number four. The first round of games in week one uh, were pretty one-sided affairs, I guess you could say. Problem over Tweez, Dubby over Chaos. Anything about those results kind of shock you lights? No. No, not at all. Not really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I feel like that was that was probably expected uh, with with Tweez and Chaos rather uh, being the two guys who are actually on the outside looking in at the playoff picture. Round two of games, you got Drini over Chaos and True Boy over Dubby. So True Boy bringing it back over Dubby, who had beaten him earlier this year uh, in the Ultimate League, and they had kind of a little bit of a documented rivalry up to that point where Dubby had really had control over the matchup, but True Boy able to get the win. Um, I know we both like True Boy's play style. With, uh, he actually switched to the Arizona Cardinals playbook uh, this week. So I know you were really digging into the single back wing flex from Philly, but do you kind of have a take on that Arizona book? Yeah, I like the Arizona book. I actually, you know, to be quite honest, I didn't catch any of the games this week. So I have no idea uh, what was ran. I, I Actually, this was the first time hearing the scores. So... Uh, but as far as True Boy, was he running? I know that with Arizona, he liked the jumbos. Was he running single back wing, all those uh, wing tights and things like that type pair? Or yeah, the- it, yeah, it was it was basically wing tight, wing tight Z, and and wing pair. So a lot of one running back, three tight end, one receiver personnel. So I, first of all, I like the fact that he's bouncing it around, uh, especially for content wise, like for us to speak about some new things. Um, yeah, and that's, for sure. True Boy's yeah, the best. <laughs> right. Cause that's like the biggest issue right now. And kind of like what we were talking about as far as going a different route with this podcast was just that, although it's a week by week basis, you know, the way that the structure is, it's, it's game after game, you know, it's not week by week. They played this game, these games, like True Boy literally played a game and then changed his book and played another game. And then changed his book and played another game that same day, which is dope. It kind of looks like he's making adjustments, yeah, but uh, <laughs> but he's not. He's not really. No, it's kind of just like, hey, I'm just gonna you know, give different looks so that because at the same at the end of the day, you can make slight adjustments based off playing a certain crew member. Like if he plays Safa, let's say Safa could quickly tell Joke, and Joke could you know at least in his mind figure out what he's gonna run because you can you know change players, change teams, change books. So for that matter, I guess the adjustment game can be done, but uh, extremely limited and much more limited than what we would traditionally want in a week-by-week basis because, again, it is not actually a week-by-week basis with this structure. Yeah, I understand Like, I understand the financial and the logistics side of it where you know it's not financially feasible for them to fly guys out to L.A. or to California every single weekend to play Madden. So I understand 
why they had to format it the way they did and why they had to play all the games in like three days uh, and then right let's be clear it's also not just financial for ea it's also i would say the biggest reason is the players not being able to you know if you have any type yeah. of uh job where like you're yeah, not gonna be able to course. go there right you can't go there every weekend or every other day so that that's a big thing too but you know just as a viewer as a fan as a content creator around Madden ultimate league it's tough because like you said and i think you, you posted something on twitter about it that you know it's the same players they're not even showing the other uh division where if you went you know week by week different divisions to where like that week one of seeing goes and joel and joel pulling it out after goes won the club championship where like viewership engagement everything was so high at that point you want to see that rematch and now like by the time they play again do you really like you want to see it just because of the capping but it's not the same yeah exactly like nobody really cares anymore i think true boy was actually the one like you said i put that on twitter a couple of pros chimed in stevie j drag true boy i think it was true boy who hit on you know that joel ghost matchup and even kiv like at the beginning where it's like everybody wants to see these guys play there's a bunch of hype with the joel ghosts capping at each other the hype kiv skimbo match that came down to you know that final drive and then it's like you have all this hype and then you have to wait two months basically before you even get to see those guys play again and so the hype has just completely died. And a lot of other guys chimed in as well on Twitter, basically echoing that same sentiment where it's just they're either just not interested, got burned out. A lot of even competitive guys just aren't even watching the Ultimate League, which is crazy when you think about how these are the guys who, you know, ideally would want to be competing in this big tournament that everybody's supposed to, you know, this is the end goal, and they're not even interested in watching it. Right, and I think that's that was my biggest fear from the jump after seeing this structure early on, like end of August. It's the fact that if you're not in Ultimate League, and that means you're probably not really playing Madden much, and, you know, Fortnite definitely had a big reasoning for why people aren't playing Madden, but, uh, you know, if you're not locked in to playing Madden do you really care who wins I mean you have friends and stuff that you know you want to see win but when it's not like you know it's not live it's a little bit different especially that the players aren't like they're on Twitter or they're like streaming the day before and it's it just doesn't feel the same where it's like that week one game where you know they they sent uh, the day after club that was like I remember that like I had stuff to do that day and I just couldn't get my eyes off the stream to watch all those big games because it was live and like it was the the capping the personalities like everything was it, there was just a lot more momentum even with the players playing where it's like you like watching these games now like we said these players these players are playing game after game game after game the energy levels low you know it it's doesn't seem like it's a new week like even if we didn't know it's like the way that the players are, are playing it's i mean safa is like full of energy and stuff like that but you know, for the most part, I like. All right, let me let me ask you this question: Did True Boy and uh, W cap at each other? No, not really. No. Like I bet you they would have if that was live. Like if that was, you know, they had a little bit of time to to focus on that game and they could actually, you know, talk. Tr- like that's just another game because they're just trying to get through these games to to qualify. Which you know, there's a a big you you need to win that game. But I just feel like it's just different for both the players, for the viewers, and not to just, you know, just completely trash what EA's doing cuz obviously, you know, the whole the whole get giving us a chance to win money and stuff like that is great. We just feel like the structure 
should probably be different. And I get the structure, and I'm sure you get the structure too. You probably understand like why they needed to do it this way, mainly because of the NFL, right? To kind of like it just seemed like right after the Super Bowl was when it started, and now like the draft is coming, so it makes sense for it to like be now. But for 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 not to not have other people, you know, having a chance at least right before Ultimate League. Like, if you were in clubs, you had no shot because that was the last event. And, like, someone like me, like, I want to be in this event. But, you know, if it's not for doing content, like, with you or doing, like, Madden Daily stuff, would I really be locked in on this game? I don't know because it's just, as a tournament player, not a content creator, there's not much to really focus on. Right. So I think that going into next year, like, I'm, I'm hoping that they're seeing this and that, you know, there needs to be, I don't know, it, it's really hard. Like an Ultimate League, it's kind of hard to do a week. I, I, It's almost like they have to do it this way, right? As far as the Ultimate League week by week. Because like we said, it's impossible for someone to come every, you know, every week or every other week or every other day to, to fly out to play their game. So, I mean, do you have an opinion on possible way to make that better? Not the structure as a whole, but as far as like Ultimate League. I mean, I just think that, you can't i think it waters down the experience everything being pre-recorded and people mentioned that several times on social media where it was you know the fact that everything wasn't live and everything you know you're watching games that were played you know a month and a half ago and so it's just there's no oh that's another real... thing sorry to cut you off but the the patch is literally a completely different game yeah like we're watching truck fest after truck fest where like the game is patched three three five aggressive pass rush it's not even it's not even the current meta and and we're watching it. That that actually throws me off too. Yeah, that's which that, is like yeah exactly. Three three five aggressive has been gone for like over a month now, but that's the patch they're playing on. So you're still seeing guys like joke like Safa. Even problem was running it for a while, uh, running that three three five. Even uh, Dubby's spent a couple games in it, and and at this point, you know, with the patch, it definitely took a hit. But like you said, it's not even the same. It's literally just not the same game. And so when it comes down to the structure of it i think the idea is right i don't know if madden as an esport is far enough along to where they can support a structure like this because i think of like um i'm gonna go kind of left field here but like something like league of legends which is one of the biggest uh you know esports in the world right now they have a league similar to this where it's you know they play on weekends every week but the difference is, obviously, their games are live, and they have guys, every every org lives out in California, in LA, you know, uh, they have gaming houses, everybody's out there, local, whereas, obviously, EA and Madden can't support, you know, you know moving guys out to California and, and having them live out there while they tape a league, but that's, I think that's kind of the state that you need to be in if you're going to try and put on something like this, and so... Or... I think going the route of 2K, and I don't know how that's going to work out as far as if they're going to, you know, make back how much they're giving away. It's the NBA actually, you know, putting up the money, I believe, but giving guaranteed salaries so that you can go and like they're going to live in a house. If whoever gets drafted for that team, say the Magic or something, you're going to be in Orlando for I don't know how many months, five, six months or whatever it is, even three, four months where you're not going to be with your family, you're not going to be able to be have a job, but at least you're having a salary of 30, I think they're getting like 35 to 50K, I believe, plus more based on the tournament. But at least like 
you know that, okay, at least it's not that risky. I can't, I, I'm not risking it all to where I have to travel every other day. Like EA is not doing it to where, you know, people have to have other ways of making income at this current point. So like you said, it's not far enough along to where you can have people living in gamer houses in Cali and things like that. But like guaranteed salaries, then you could say like, hey, listen, you know, we're giving you this amount. Like you have, you have an obligation to to fly every other, whatever it is to, to, for these live events. But for season one, you know, I get it. It's I felt like this is the way they had to do it. Um, structure wise, I feel like not having, like having the season end this early is definitely not a good idea because there's still so much of Madden 18 left and the meta is staying the same and there's not much more to play for. It's just like, I don't know. A lot of people are kind of just, burnt out it's like crazy they're burnt out but they're wanting more to play and like something that you mentioned to me off air was like weekend league is kind of you know hurting the game in a way because people are just grinding on the weekends and then you're kind of just tired of madden because you have to play so many games for the weekend and plus you're playing the same exact type of schemes the bunch that so i mean overall there there needs to be an adjustment made um for this is pretty much the first time they've done something like this in an ultimate actual league so hopefully they're taking notes of how to make this better next year but yeah if you have any other input on on what you think sh- could be done like now as far as the structure or anything um going forward with madden 19 yeah i mean i think i, I think hypothetically the ultimate league is a good idea once they're able to get the resources to support it i think it could definitely be successful i think it might have been a little bit too ambitious uh, this early on in kind of Madden's esports career, um, but I think you know it's a it's going to be a learning experience. I think it's a good thing that it happened this way because I think I hope that they'll learn and going forward have some of the problems that they ran into in mind when formatting different tournaments and events. But I think you kind of hit on something that I think is also making the the experience worse in that you know. The fact that they played the games in a group in like three days isn't good, in my opinion, because now you're watching the same game every day for the next, you know, however many months, two or three months. Zero adjustments. With Yeah, zero adjustments, nothing changing. And I think that's the biggest thing that's going to be important going forward for Madden as an eSport is EA is going, if they want Madden to be a serious eSport, they need to patch the game and they need to tune... Not just fix stuff that's broken, but tune what is overpowered and what is underpowered to keep the meta and keep the game fresh and to not burn viewers out. That's what every other competitive esport does. Throughout the year, they'll tune and nerf and buff stuff that's, you know, buff stuff that's bad, nerf stuff that's overpowered to keep the meta fresh and to keep people from just using the same strategies the entire year. I mean, People have been running Dig Halfback out for the past five months. Like, people are tired of watching other guys line up in Gun Bunch and run the same four or five plays with the same, basically the same setups every single time. I mean, there's been so many just mirror matchups where people are running the same offense and same defense against each other. And it's just basically a waiting game of who makes the dumb mistake first, right? And so it's just... I think that's the biggest obstacle is holding the viewer's attention by not just having the same game for basically a year at a time uh, 
because when they do patch, like they patch nickel three three five aggressive, right? So, okay, maybe nickel three three five falls off a little bit, but then people are gonna whine if they patch something like the dig halfback out post route, which is OP this year. It's like the the tight flex, you know, deep crossing route from last year, where pretty much no zone covers it. So I think inherently that's very unhealthy for the metagame because when you have a route that's so much better than any other route in the game, people are naturally going to form their schemes around that route and you're going to see that scheme. I mean, why would anybody not run that scheme? If, if they're playing for hundreds of thousands of dollars, why would they make the game harder for themselves just to be unique? See, yeah, I'm going to go, I'm going to agree, but also kind of go a little bit in a different direction. Um, I don't think that they necessarily need to get like make things worse. Um, I just think the reason why people are running Gun Bunch as a passing set is because it's just the limitations of the game with the how how good zones are. Certain routes just don't work. So like you said, yeah, that post does does work. I would say a three receiver hook can play it. Um, I wouldn't say it's. I, I really don't think Gun Bunch from West Coast is OP at all. I just think that in a passing formation, it it. It has the routes you need where other sets just aren't good enough. I just think Gun Bunch Week is at least good enough where everything else isn't. I don't think it's like super good. I just think everything else just is not good enough unless you're running the ball. And then that's, to me, that's even worse is the air trucking and uh, the stretch. Like when when I feel like there's no skill, because at least watching like Kiv and Goes use West Coast, I feel like there's skill. I agree. But like sometimes when I'm watching runners... It, 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 it depends like people get sticky but there's times where it's just like geez man like that should have been a tackle and you know i think that um i just think defensively it, it's really hard because right when you set 91 zones you don't really know for sure what routes are going to be good until the game starts being you know until we start playing the game after you know a month or two when we realize okay s- small cor- like sharp corners work really well uh, small C routes work really well. There's certain things that work, like that post route in the dig HB out works well. Uh, but we like other playbooks don't have those routes. Some playbooks have the long C routes. A lot of playbooks and formations have the long corner routes. Well, not even the long corner routes, but certain corner routes that just don't work, or certain post routes, skinny posts. So pretty much what I'm getting at is they need to just keep adding to the game more so than tuning i mean I, I get you i get you tuning it just needs to be a different type of like when people hear patch it just needs to be like okay fine if you're gonna make um west coast like that route be guarded by a certain zone like something else needs to change i think that's what you're saying it's like make something better at the same time don't just don't just keep patching things because then there's literally nothing left to play for at this current time of the year just everything is patched away there's only a few things that aren't and that's just what everyone uses well, that's that's kind of what I'm thinking is like, so like if you think about it, you have the best scheme in the game, second best scheme, third best scheme. If you if they just patch the best scheme and just make the best scheme worse, then everybody's just going to say, OK, I'm going to hop off this best scheme and just fall back to what the second best scheme is. And it's just going to be an endless cycle of, OK, it's still you're still going to have the same problem because there's always going to be the next up, basically, that people are going to fall back to. So. I think your route of not just straight making stuff worse, but making other things better. Like the dig HB out route, like that route is literally only in that play. There's other similar routes to it, 
but a lot of those like S style post, S post. routes mm-hmm. are just a lot deeper than that one for whatever yep. reason. That one, when they coded it in the game, is a lot just uh, flatter on the cut. It still mm-hmm. gets in a nice tender spot of the field, but for whatever reason, when they put that route in the game, it was a lot more effective than any other route. And so when you have a route like that where it's only in one formation in one playbook, it's just going to make everybody kind of migrate to that and it makes the metagame just very stale as we've kind of talked about. And so I think your approach is right where make other things better. Throw that route into different formations. Put that route in trips tight end. Put that route in gun doubles. You know, put that route in, you know, single back, whatever, single back spread, like whatever it might be. Like whenever you see that a certain route like that and this is kind of on a tangent, but when you see a certain route like that, that's so effective and that route is the reason why a big reason along with like, you kind of touched on the short corner routes and sharp corner routes. Um, that gun bunch is so good. Like either the other formations need something like that, or they're just not ever going to be used in my opinion. So cool. So question, uh, based off that as far as doing updates to the game, right? Mm-hmm. Are you a fan of them actually like updating the playbooks? I would not be opposed if if they did it correctly to try and balance out because I understand that they can't identify kind of what route or what play is going to be overpowered when the game releases. Um, I know that's a very hard thing to discover in testing whenever as soon as the game drops, everybody's looking for that. Especially when 91 zones are the reason and like stock teams don't have 91 zones so like you would have to create a team that has all 91 zones and kind of spend a ton of time like checking all the routes plus route con like it I, i get it like it wouldn't like you're saying it would be very hard for someone like ea and the people that work there to to know for sure what's going to be op before the game drops and if they do know for sure probably it's going to not be in the game or it's going to be changed a little bit so it's not op because they, they want balance at the end of the day not not op uh things but yeah like you said it's just yeah they yeah I'll, I'll let you keep going but yeah i agree with what you're saying yeah like i wouldn't be opposed to if they identified you know okay corner strike and dig hp out and stuff like mesh post are super strong in gun bunch and, you know, the the ability to block the tight end and gun bunch is huge because it gives you good pass protection on both sides. So maybe, you know, they go into formations like gun tight offset tight end and stuff like that, and they let you block the tight end. Or they go into formation like, you know, gun doubles, and maybe they change all of the, you know, useless super deep post routes that don't get open against really anything. Maybe they change those into, you know, the dig HB out post routes and just kind of tune like that where if you know if that route were in every other playbook i feel like the diversity obviously there's extra steps you have to take because gun bunch is good for other reasons but you know i think that would go a long way in helping you know people at least have other options at this point it's like like i said if you're not using like the top passing concepts, if, if you want to try and pass the ball out of gun doubles, and I think Joke has mentioned this on Twitter before, but if you want to use, if you want to pass the ball and you're not running gun bunch, you're literally just making the game harder for yourself. Like that's all you're doing. And so it's just like, that's, that's not a healthy game state in my opinion. You mentioned something about that I really like 
um, as far as being able to block receivers. I think mm-hmm. you just sent that, or being able to. I think you just said that. Yeah. Um. So that in itself, that's what joke was on the tangent about. Was that like gun doubles? If the running back and tight end are not on the opposite side of the of the field, and you max protect, it's just not going to be the same. Like you would have to you would have to motion a receiver to block the other side. And the reason why gun bunch is so good is because you're being able to max protect and also do certain motions and also, you know, attack with the best routes. It, it gives you the best max protection set. It gives you the best routes. Um, again, I don't think it's OP. I just think that it's a workable offense with the way this game is. Like, it's still a defensive game in my opinion. But um, it's it's there's not much to... to there's not much that uh, is as good as Gun Bunch as far as passing. And that's a shame. And I think that definitely... EA knows. I mean, come on. Like, you think yeah. they want to watch the same game? The people that are watching the tournaments, they don't want to see everyone run Gun Bunch. But it's not just because it's Gun Bunch. It's just because Gun Bunch gives you what you need and the other sets don't. And the other sets just need to get better, like you said. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, you hit on it. I know I know they know. And I know that they don't want it to be basically the same thing every time because that's not good for the viewership. And, obviously, they want what's best for the viewership. And so I know they're probably taking steps to fix that, and I know they're they're working hard over there. So I'm not trying to put them down or anything. I'm just kind of talking about you know what I see and what I think could possibly be improvements on that front. But like we said, it's a it's a learning experience. This is the first time they ran something like the Ultimate League, so I think it'll be better for Madden 19. Uh, I have faith that they'll be able to make the right strides, but. You want to go ahead and get into some questions from the listeners real quick? Of course, yeah. All right. So we got the first question from JJ. He asks, how do you create a defensive scheme, and what are the first things you take into account when picking a base defense? So I think this is a very good question for kind of like a beginner. You know, right when the game comes out, you know, where's your mind at when you're trying to go on the defensive side of the ball? Uh, what's up, JJ? Uh, I would say, well, a lot goes into my mind, <laughs> mainly because I'm trying to create new content for the site. So I'm always looking for like new blitzes and things like that. But as a general statement, you kind of have to see what coverage works the best in the beginning of the year. Every year is different. This year to start, uh, cover two and cover four were really big, like early on in the year because zones weren't the way they needed to be. So you kind of, that gave you the best protection uh, to, to not just get dink and dunked where like, corner routes were destroying cover three you couldn't even use it uh but then people started seeing the blitz concepts that worked in the game so i think that's another big thing you kind of have to get a feel of how to blitz in the game the best coverages and then also be cognizant of the offensive formations people are running or want to run based off the success of the game is it a passing game is it a running game so if it's a running game now you have to start thinking my base defense needs to be at the very least a 3-4 formation or a 4-3 formation or even possibly a 4-6 or a 4-4 based off, you know, is someone, let's say the meta is I-form tight. You kind of have to know that so that you know, all right, if I'm going to face I-form tight, which it probably never will happen with I-form tight, but you never know. Uh, let's say it's like strong close or whatever. You're going to need to be in a run. You're probably not going to be in dollar, nickel, or dime. But with the meta being gun bunch pretty early on in the year, you kind of can be in the nickel 335 odd or in the nickel 335 or the dollar 326 or send some blitz schemes in zone from 34 and 43. So I think being in the know of what people are doing around you on offense and defense will give you a better way of 
um, deciding what your defensive scheme is going to be. But that's kind of getting into, you know, really advanced for, as far as competitive play. I would, you know, do one more tip as far as like the basics. I would just say, you know, 3-4 odd. I always like 3-4 odd in the beginning of the year. Gives you the best type of zones. Cover 4 gives you the two hook zones. Um, so that's always good every year. Balance of pass coverage and run defense. And if you can mix that in with a blitz, either, you know, a B-gap blitz or just any type of overload pressure, I think getting that is big. Um, generally when blitzing, sorry, I've just my mind is all over the place. Generally when blitzing, um, you always are looking for like a left side blitz and then a right side blitz. And if you could mix that in, everything looking the same with a coverage defense or an A-gap blitz, you just want to have, that's like the the... That's what you really want to look for. Sometimes you just don't get that depending on the Madden. This Madden was kind of hard to scheme like that. But um, yeah, you definitely want to just be ready for everything on offense and having a defense as far as a base that could stop the run and the pass and also have pretty good coverage. I think that's an excellent way to start. So I would say 3-4 odd every year is always good. I like 3-4 odd. (laughs) (laughs) 3-4 odd. I'm a fan as well. I mean, I've been running... Uh, three three five odd for most of the year, and it's it's obviously very similar. Basically, the same formation. You just swap the outside linebacker out for a nickelback. But I agree with everything you said. I think at the beginning of the year, when I'm thinking about defense, I usually kind of go more coverage heavy because at that point there aren't really any well-known blitzes usually out immediately, and so people are kind of still trying to find that heat. So I usually go with more coverage-based defenses, trying to just kind of adapt to what my opponent's doing kind of take my let my adjustments kind of guide me on the defensive side of the ball and then as the year goes on obviously like earlier early on this year uh the 335 odd and other styles of crossfire kind of came out so Mm -hmm. um that came to the forefront so once something like that kind of comes out then you can take that and kind of run with it in terms of okay now i have this blitz that i want to scheme around and then from there, it's kind of complementary defensive style. So, say like three through five odds. So, I'll run a lot of linebacker cross three show two. If my opponent likes to run the ball a lot, or if I'm in the red zone, maybe I go to something like a cover four, maybe even a cover six, like we talked about last week with manning up the outside zone defender. Uh, you can you can use that same concept. It can carry over. Uh, sometimes you might want to go to a Tampa two to mix it up. You know, the popular setup with the middle linebacker in the deep blue. You might go to something like a cover three cloud, where that's kind of caught on this year. Some people just have trouble moving the ball against that solid defense. It just throws them off. So that's kind of where the scheme comes in, where I kind of pick a play, base around that play, and then have complementary coverages and plays branching off of that depending on kind of who I'm playing and the game situation, if that makes sense. Um, That's kind of how I like to approach a defensive scheme towards the beginning of the year and then kind of as it evolves as the year goes on. I like that answer a lot. I think 3-3-5 odd might not always be as good as it was this year. That's why I mentioned just 3-4 odd generally for every Madden. 3-3-5 odd, like you said, is a better version of 3-4 odd because it has the probably one of the best crossfires and it gives you the best coverages. So yeah, in agreement with Holden, you want to find, you just want to know what the best coverages are based off what the pros are using or what you're seeing online. Trying to find that plus the popular blitzes plus a good balance of run and pass all in the same formation and just get comfortable using that. And, you know, game after game, as you're getting some reps, you'll start figuring out, you know, when's the best time to mix in certain coverages. But just the fact of mixing in coverages, like Holden explained, will get you stops on defense. So that's definitely what you want to look for when figuring out a defensive scheme 
in any type of Madden. Question number two comes from Hector. How to stop C-Routes? So I know this is a question that can probably resonate with a lot of people in the community. C-Routes have been very, very effective for a while now, and they can definitely be very frustrating to defend against if you don't know exactly how to do it. And I know we touched on last week with the um, the auto man-to-man assignment with the cloud flats where they'll right. convert to man-to-man, and the way to stop that is go ahead and you know shade underneath or shade over the t- and then shade over the top. Or I think you can just shade over the top just at the line of scrimmage, actually, and, and that'll fix it. But just in general, what do you think is the best defense to defend against C-routes? Okay, so C-routes, a lot of ways to attack a C-route. Just the regular C route, you have C route with the flat that now you have to have a certain defense to stop. Or you could do the isolation a glitch like we're saying to convert to man. That's hard to stop. You have another type of glitch that's out that even if you have a certain zone that stops it, which is cloud flats, it still gets open. So I would say no matter what your opponent's trying to do, if they are utilizing a cloud a, a C route, you want to, no matter what, if you want to stop it, you want to play man press and you want to play outside shade. That way, no matter what they try to do, if they have a flat underneath, because I will say like the best way to stop the, the new glitch of glitching cloud flats is to actually have a hard flat and hope that if they don't have a flat route underneath the C route, the hard flat will, the hard flat will play the C route. Yeah. Unfortunately, though, if they have a flat route, then the C route is going to get open on the hard flat because the hard flat plays the flat. So best case if you're not going to user it and you don't know what they're trying to do, like this is an advanced, this is the advanced answer is no matter what man press outside shade, shading your coverage outside is the best because then no matter what they're doing, outside shade typically stops it well. But just a general answer, if you know, they're not trying to do any type of glitches or anything, if they're just calling, um, let's say corner strike from gun bunch or corner strike from any other set, then just a cloud flat. And playing over the top coverage does the best to stop that to make sure the cloud flat is always playing over the top. Um, but yeah, to, to just conclude, no matter what, man press outside shade will at least get outside leverage on the C route. And that's usually the best case if you have a good man defender guarding it. So whenever you say man press, I know there have been studies where people have kind of tried to see... Uh, some people think that if you say like if you're in like a Tampa two right and you man up the cloud flat defender on the outside receiver and press him, uh, he might not be quite as effective at pressing as if you came out in a play like a cover one robber press where basically it's uh, manually pressing versus automatically already being pressed. Is there a difference there, or or will you being able to man up a defender like out of a zone coverage and press will that still get the job done? Um, that should still get the job done. Uh, there was definitely, people were definitely saying and believing that cover one press stops, like is better man coverage. I think it's definitely better stock man coverage. Mm-hmm. Once you start utilizing the shading, I think it's going to be pretty much the same for the most part. Uh, what you need to know though, is if you are going to play outside shade in man coverage and to do that real quick, you would press um, Y on Xbox triangle on PlayStation. You would do that twice. So Y, Y, the, uh. Damn, I can't do this without an Xbox, so I'm sorry. <laughs> but you're going to be shading the coverage. Holden, you might have to help me out there. Yeah. How do you shade coverage? I it forget. would be, I'm pretty sure it's right analog stick to the left, right? Because it's a right stick down to shade underneath, right stick up to shade I over the top. I think it might be right. No, it's to the right. I think inside is left. Okay, so okay. It would be to the right. Right yeah. is outside, left is inside. 
Yes. So what I'm saying is if you're going to play man press outside Sheed, you're going to be vulnerable to deep routes. So yeah. mm-hmm. I would just say as a basic tip, go cover two man and play outside shade to stop the C routes and not get beat deep it, as a basic. If you don't want to make crazy adjustments, if you don't want to worry about getting beat deep. Because if you go cover zero or cover one and you go outside shade, you can give up big plays. So cover two man, mix it in outside shade. Mix that in with cover two with cloud flats. I think that would be the best way to stop C routes unless they're glitching you. And if they're trying to glitch you, mix in hard flats on the sneak and hopefully you could get a pick six. Yeah, I think that's a great tip. And I think, yeah, C routes right now with all the glitches kind of coming out with the cloud flats, probably in as bad of a spot as they've been in all year. So uh, they're definitely tough to stop. But I think the the press man-to-man is a great starting point. Uh, to do that so third question from this one is going to be from augustin soto he's asking what are the best ways to use low passes so uh just my input on it i think low passes are very good um over the middle of the field whenever i'm throwing either it could be crossing routes i think posts are usually very good uh low passing them to get them in front of that like deep defender. So if you're throwing a post against something like a cover three and you're worried about that middle safety biting down and jumping that route, you can low pass it and put it in a situation where only your receiver can get to it. Um, other good situations of low passing are you can low pass to the tight end in the seam. Uh, if you just have like, if, if you're in something like gun doubles and put your tight end on a streak, um, you can low pass it to him. Just make sure that there's no underneath hook zone uh, but if you're worried about like a safety making a play on him, a low pass is good there. Another great usage of low passes are on like corner routes. And so a popular like red zone concept is to basically have an outside flat route and then a corner route breaking in behind it. And so a popular setup out of this is something like single back ace Z spot where people will put the running back on a wheel and motion them out uh, to make it basically a five wide under center formation. And then, so the wheel route clears out and pulls the zones to the sideline, and then the corner route cuts, and you throw a low pass right in that little pocket to where basically the safety can't bite on it, the outside flat zone defenders can't recover in time, and it it puts it in a spot where only your receiver or tight end is able to make a play on the ball. So I think that's kind of three good starting points for using low passes and kind of incorporating them into your game. Marvelous. I really have not much more to say. Uh, That's exactly (laughs) what I would have said. I uh, would just say any type of breaking route, uh, posts on the cut type routes, because the way that 91 zones work, they break on the throw. So when you throw a route that pretty much any route, the zone will break right away and react right away. So yes, corner routes, you want to throw it low. Uh, just make sure it's clearing a cloud flat. Make sure post route, if you're going to throw it, make sure it's above the hook zones, below the deep blue zone. Uh, make sure the user is not in the area, just like Holden's saying. Just you don't want to throw a pick as you're throwing underneath it. Um, but, you know, I throw low passes for almost all my throws. But the best throw would definitely be post routes. Every single time I throw a post is pretty much always a low pass. And almost every time I throw a corner route is a low pass. And not only to the sideline, but also, like Holden said, up the seam with the flat route mixed in. That way the flat uh, route gets played by any flat defender and on the break as long as the hook zone is not directly there you could throw a low pass possession catch it 
and that's the best way to utilize low passes. Yeah, low passes, definitely very tough and a great addition to your offense if you're not already using it. So final question here from Tyler Martinez. He asks, what is a good nickel 335 scheme? Um, so I don't really run nickel 335. Obviously, we talked about it earlier, actually getting nerfed with the, the aggressive pass rush patch. So it's not going to be as effective. Obviously, that Tampa 2 was what was running wild uh, for a couple months there throughout the year with the aggressive pass rush. Um, but my advice would be kind of harking back to the how to create a defensive scheme where I would just kind of mix up my coverage. Obviously, that Tampa 2 is still probably going to be kind of what you want to center around, but then you have other things. I know they have a solid cover three cloud. They have that play, I think it's called like three double buzz, which can be pretty unique and can catch people off guard. Um, so I think even still Tampa 2, even with the aggressive pass rush nerfed, I think you can still have a lot of success with that because of the way the formation is set up where you have a lot of control over who you can blitz since you have those three linebackers all just sitting at the same depth you can really mix up your coverages behind it and you can take a middle linebacker and you know hover uh ghost did this a lot in the redskins club series where you you hover over one of the offensive guards and have a combination of guys blitzing and just kind of a lot of different blitz angles coming at your opponent and just try and throw them off and play that aggressive style defense so that would probably be my best guess at kind of making a scheme at a 3-3-5, um, but you might be a little more versed in this defense than I am, Lights. Yeah, so I don't really run 3-3-5 either, but um, it does have everything you pretty much need other than crossfire, but the blitz, the way to blitz at a 3-3-5 is just to blitz numbers. I mean, you don't have to. You could just send the defensive line and the nickel, and mostly all year, you're able to get some good pressure with the nickel back. But now what a lot of people are doing are, you know, they're actually sending five and six defenders, typically in a cover two and really selling out, bringing the safeties down. So um, I would say kind of to allude to what you said, Holden, is Goes ran a really good 3-3-5. Make sure you watch his tape. Go back to his club series games um, and check out how he was running it. He He's a very blitz happy guy from 3-3-5 to where even though the aggressive pass rush was very effective at the time, he didn't even necessarily need it. So like at this point with aggressive pass rush being toned completely, and if you want to still run 3-3-5, I think watching that tape of goes and how he blitz out of it is definitely a good start. Um, also, you know, again, the fact that it has all the good coverages, it's one of the better cover two defenses because, you know, you have, you have pressure from cover two, almost stock, and you have three good uh, hook zones. You would just deep blue the middle linebacker play on, on one of the outside guys. Um, and then mixing that in with not only the cover three cloud, but also it has the good cover four. It has the cover four uh, drop just like three, four, just with better personnel. And with the way that Madden is, the way the NFL is, nickel is definitely becoming way more popular where you need that extra speed, the extra athleticism on your team on the field. So um, yeah, I would say mixing in Tampa two, cover four, cover three cloud. And if you want to stop the run, you could either go to some man defenses. Cover one press is pretty good at a 3-3-5. Um, and then also just blitzing at a 3-3-5 is definitely going to be the best way, at least now, to run 3-3-5. Whereas prior, you could literally just call it and the defensive line is just going to go insane with aggressive pass rush. Now you're going to have to actually scheme some little bit of heat, but still can be done with that defense. And it gives you a lot of opportunity to get stops. I completely agree. And I think that was a fantastic answer. And I think that's a great way to approach kind of using that 3-3-5 at this point in the year after, like you said, the aggressive pass rush has been nerfed. 
and you're going to have to kind of rely on sending numbers if you want to get pressure, but it still has solid coverages on the back end that you can go to to kind of mix it up on your opponent and adjust to what they're trying to do offensively. So next week will be the final week of the Legends Conference, so we'll be going over in Episode 5 who all made it out and who didn't. So we'll be talking about the final six and kind of some playoff implications going forward in there. But that's going to wrap it up for us here, week four of the Madden Insiders podcast. Thank you guys for joining us. As always, I'm Holden. And I'm Lights Out. And until next time, guys, thank you for listening. Peace.